This is Season 2, Episode 3 of the Should Have Backed It podcast. This week we are looking back at an eventful day at Caulfield for the Blue Diamond Stakes. With me is Herald Sun Racing expert Chris Venuccio. Hey mate, how'd you go? Did you survive the carnage at Caulfield? Hello Phil, yeah, it was a good day. What was with the pause there? The pause? I didn't pause, did I? <laughs> Before you said racing expert. Oh, okay. No, well, mate. A bit of a dig at me. Oh, well, I did look at the tips on the weekend with you and your colleagues in the Herald Sun, and um, it didn't make for pretty reading, it must be said. Well, I don't know what you're talking about. There was the, I think the tips were fine. There was a tough day. You know, you don't know how the track's going to play on the day. It was um, tough for punters. How does it work down at the Herald Sun? Do you all sit around in the break room and work out who's going to win the race and then all just submit the same tips. It almost looked like a misprint on the weekend. Well, you know, despite what some people might think, we don't collude with our tips. We do go in our separate ways and come up with our own selections. And some of the times that we just pick the same horses and that's the way it goes. I mean, believe it or not, when I had to do my tips on the Thursday, it was a day off, so I was at home doing those tips. So... Yeah, when you see five people picking the same five horses, I can understand people think that we just sit at a, a table and <laughs> sit around a, a group cafe think. and just go, yeah, <laughs> let's, group think. let's just uh, cut down our work this week and just all submit the same tips. But, but no, I, I do get your point, and it was a tough day at Caulfield. And on a Thursday, all the tips that yeah. were put in, you know, looked looked pretty yeah. good, and in in the end, all performed pretty well. Well, you look at my selections, and I mean, I had no, I mean, it wasn't the greatest day but we had three seconds and a third and if you have a, a track that was more even then maybe a super seth does get up and win and you know kings will dream and and some other horses so it's just um unfortunate there's a, a few placings yeah and look it was one of those days where you actually had to be punting race yeah. to race with track bias which we'll talk about later in the podcast but just the way the day was panning out submitting your tips a couple of days early was always going to be yeah. a bit of a challenge and you have to be very adaptive in the way you were punting yesterday and just make sure that you found the horses that were best suited to the race um, rather than necessarily looking back at the, uh, at the form even. And I was very keen on Adelaide Ace and I think we might have got a bit lucky with the way the track was playing because it just suited it perfectly but I think it was still looked to stand out anyway even when I mean, it was always going to be on speed and or on the tempo so it was always going to be a good chance but the way the track played out was just probably an extra advantage yeah speaking of group thing that was we both had that as our best bet of the day in the uh at the at should have backed at twitter handle um but yeah no um adelaide ace was definitely a, a highlight for myself along with a couple others that we'll discuss throughout the podcast but we might jump straight into our should have backed it's for the weekend and um i understand you're looking across the border into new south wales this week Yes, I should have backed it. was in the last at Rose Hill, and it was positive peace. I was in the the subpoenaed camp, and I think the the mistake I made there was sort of like, as you mentioned with Adelaide Ace, it had two runs at 14 coming into 18, and that second 1,400-metre run didn't suit it. Same scenario with subpoenaed. I don't think the... I think the 14 was too short for it, and it... And it showed. It was just. It was really rocketing home in the last 150 when it didn't even look like it was going to get a place mid race. And it was between the two horses. I went one way, and funnily enough, with the betting, positive piece opened about three three fifty on the Wednesday, 
subpoenaed open five dollars and it was came in and was well backed on the day subpoenaed's the one that's had the money come for it and positive pieces ended up blowing out to five dollars which was the original price of subpoenaed on wednesday so they've done a complete flip but the punters got it wrong and i got it wrong I've got to admit, Big V, by race nine at Rose Hill, I was, you know, enjoying my Saturday afternoon. I'd already uh, ducked off, so I didn't even see that one after picking up Miss Sisko in the last at, uh, at Caulfield. But, no, nah, disappointed that you missed that one, mate. And doesn't lead on nicely to my should have backed it, but mine is in the Oakley Plate with Pippi. Now, you might say that was a very tough race, and I'm being a bit hard and on being myself. being a, a hindsight expert. Well, so. definitely a hindsight expert. That's what this podcast is all about, though, isn't it, Big V? But... When you look back at that, you had $12 about a horse that is a natural leader, flies the gates every time, particularly fresh, and uh, that was where you needed to be at Caulfield on the weekend. It, and it also was ridden by Linda Meach, who's probably the best leading jockey going around. So with those two factors and the leader bias in play, $12 in the end was a bit of a sweet deal. It looks obvious in the end. It, well, it always looks oh, obvious. Oh, I wish I backed it as well. About two hundred metres out, it looked very obvious. But yeah, look, I'm, I'm not. I'm not suggesting that I um, missed that one. But I, I do think it was one that I kind of, you know, if you'd done a bit, you'd done your form and you were adapting on the day in terms of how you were betting, um, Pippi was would have been a good one to get on. Yeah, I think the tricky aspect for me was on paper four or five could have led, and it's sort of like okay, which one does get that sweet spot up front? Because Bull of Muscle, Fartana, even Anaheed, if it got a cleaner getaway, might have led. Even Bivouac, to an extent, in past races has led and been on the speed. But when you watch the race again, Pippi probably has that better gate speed than all of them. And that's what, and she really produced some stunning sectionals where you, any other horse probably would have punched. And all the other leaders, or the horses that were following her, finished well back down the field yeah it was hard. by that time of the day it was quite hard yeah. as well because even if uh the horse did lead and you, you mentioned that the four or five natural leaders uh, how quickly they went was also going to be a factor and whether they could sustain that speed for the entire race and um i go back to the fact that pp did have linda meach yeah. on board who obviously is um an expert at that sort of leading leading uh jockey yeah. sort of and a well-deserved um, group one yeah, yeah well. absolutely. Uh, yeah, very well deserved. I'm glad that she got the biscuits there. But yeah, Pippi would be my should have backed it for the week. Um, from a should have sacked it perspective, I actually was really disappointed in the run of Microphone. Um, microphone is a favourite of mine. I'm, I'm on it nearly every time and it hasn't let me down too many times. But yeah, that was just a really disappointing run. Yeah. It flew out of the gates, settled without doing too much work out the front. And if you wouldn't have wanted to be on any other horse rounding the yeah. turn and then yeah got run down by two others yeah got run down by brandenburg. Was the brandenburg which was the second biggest ruffie in the race yes and yeah you know, that was a yeah surprising result particularly when it's running against a lot of stayers resuming i mean it probably should have won this race i mean i wasn't that keen on microphone i think it got into a really tight price it flew into about two dollars yeah. 10 $2.20. I can, I can see why it was well back because it's resuming against stayers pretty much and had an easy run in transit, probably should have won and I, and I think it's going to be difficult for Microphone to get another win this campaign because a lot, a lot of these horses that it's going to come up against now will be fitter when they go up in distance. So I just wonder where, where to now for Microphone and where it can pick up another win. Yeah, that was just really disappointing as you say. It, did look like the race was perfectly suited third yeah. up 
Uh, there's no excuses. I didn't see anything in the stewards report to suggest it pulled up lame or, or had any problems. So, uh, yeah, a bit of a questionable run for microphone. But it, I won't be sacking it completely. But, yeah, really disappointed uh, with yesterday's effort. And yours should have sacked it. Um, we're looking to back the, at Caulfield. Back at Caulfield, the front end of the card. Again, yeah. a, again, a race I missed. So I'm interested to hear your analysis. But just Benjamin, you were disappointed to be on. Yeah, I was because I was on Actow the start before. And I thought, first impressions, I was disappointed with Actow. But when you look at it again, it was a wet track, slow tempo, it over-raced. I mean, going into that race two weeks ago, I thought Actow was a better horse than just Benjamin. And I thought, maybe I doubted myself. I thought, maybe I got that wrong. Maybe Just Benjamin is the better horse because uh, Just Benjamin had to be ridden forward because of that slow tempo when it's probably better running on. And so I just went the other way. And in the end, I was I might have been right the first time. I think maybe Actel is a better horse than Just Benjamin, although Just Benjamin might have been a little bit slow out of the gates. Also, the way the track was playing... Maybe that didn't suit it as well, but yeah, I think sometimes you just gotta maybe stick with a horse if you do have a, a gut feel about it. And I yeah. did in this case. Yeah, that's right. It might actually be a, an interesting conversation around that for later on when we talk about the guineas and alligator blood and catalyst. But yeah, no, I didn't actually catch that race, but I can see there it's only lost two lengths. And if you're yeah. saying it missed a start, I wouldn't be jumping off it completely. It's yeah. had pretty good form leading into that race, so there was no reason to think it was, wasn't no. going to win. And when you compare the prices, I mean, Actow should have appealed more at you know, $4.420 on that each way basis because, you know, there wasn't much between them anyway to start before, and you're getting you know, nearly double the odds mm. for it. Yeah, absolutely. So that's how I should have sacked it for the weekend. So I guess we've, we've touched on it a couple of times now, but I am interested in your thoughts and, and, and what, how you approached yesterday from a gambling perspective with the, the track bias that did emerge and became quite obvious uh, relatively early in the card, but by the, about the seventh or the eighth race was absolute certainty yeah. that you had to be up front and leading. Yeah, although, I mean, I, I agree with you to some extent, but although it was quite evident that the, the rail was the place to be, I don't think it was as pronounced as people are, are suggesting because you look at the, the first race, it was hard to, to know. Second race, you got Adelaide Ace, which was backed into favouritism, winning well, and Nonconformist, which had been you know, a steady stream of money coming for it since Wednesday, run second. Mm-hmm. And then you look at Miami Bound, who did have that run on the rails. She flopped. So there was nothing after race two to suggest that there was a bias. Race three, maybe a little bit, but seven-horse field, you know, really slow tempos. Slow tempos, I think, also exasperates a bias because you just... It's hard enough to make up ground in slow-tempo races, and then let alone when you've got a, a rail bias. So you had a slow-tempo race. Race four, graceful glamour, controlled the speed. Maybe that's when I probably sort of thought, yeah, there could be something with the track, but... I think all reports were graceful. Glamour did trial well as well, but she won a sort of a big price, $9.50, $10. And then in race five, you had the overcompensation when acting and Southbank went really fast, and that did set it up for the back markers, albeit they did run along the rail. And then you go back into race six, where in the futurity, where there was another slow tempo race. So the bias was there, but slow tempos also don't help. Yeah, well, I think the tempo, though, and how the races were run, 
the jockeys were sort of getting twigging onto yeah. it pretty early. We saw Ollie go up the the rail in the third and get the job done, and then in the fourth, Graceful Glamour. That's where I yeah. really, really twigged for me because although that's as you say trialed well and it was a, is a, a good quality horse, I just didn't think it was going to be winning over the fourteen hundred. But although jockeys knew that the rail was the fast lane, there wasn't a lot of them really hunting up to get that position. They were still pretty happy... Until to, the acting race, where until, they, yeah, until that they race. overdid it. But then afterwards, it was sort of like normal transmission. Like, in the, in the Blue Diamond, you had four horses in the front row. I mean, I would have thought, you know, Tagaloa might have kicked up and maybe tried to take up that rail run. And, but I, it, yeah. still, it still ended up winning three wide, so that didn't have the, the rail as well. It didn't, but it was kind of more in the acting scenario. Yeah. And that the, I think it was just really solidly run, that first... Yeah, of, that race, yeah. yeah so I would it, have thought in the Blue Diamond it might have been a similar scenario, but they were still pretty content to have a, a four wide in the first row of horses and not really kick up and have this really hot speed going on. Which... Oh, I thought it was quite a, a, a big a hot speed for the Blue Diamond, and I think the reason that you got four across is you got a lot of horses, a lot of juveniles as well, and I think, you know, you just got to let them run it in those sort of races. But, yeah, I do get your point that it wasn't necessarily clear-cut 100%, but I think the bias was pretty obvious early that there was something going on at least, yeah, even was, the yeah. way the jockeys were, were, were handling it. So from your perspective, is that does that put a bit of an asterisk over the meetings in terms of how you'll approach things moving forward. Obviously, a lot of forgive runs in amongst it now that, that we're talking about that, but also even the horses that did win. Yeah, I think, um, I think some of the horses that did win deserve to win, like, as we mentioned, Adelaide Ace. Even the, the Blue Diamond winner, I did, although I paid $24, Trent Buston on the radio was really spruiking it and he said that he'd be surprised if it didn't run top three. He even, he had, when they asked him which of his two horses, Tagaloa and Let's Be Glam, and I can't believe I slaughtered that, the name of that horse in the last podcast. <laughs> we both did, don't worry. When, when he was asked which of the two he preferred, he went with Tagaloa. He, he didn't even hesitate. So Yeah, I think then, they were pretty confident. And then the Oakley Plate, Pippi, in hindsight, you know, had a really good spring campaign. So I think some of the winners were deserving, act out. The one that got me was, and we can. this might be a nice little segue into the, into a discussion on the race, was Streets of Avalon and the yeah. futurity. I think if you, you're looking at that pound for pound against Super Th- Seth, uh, Melody Bell, Colding, a few of those horses, that you wouldn't usually think that it would have the class to beat those. No, no I think uh, even though you know, Streets of Avalon is a decent horse, so yeah. I, mean, I was surprised that it, it beat all of them. I, th- I suppose... With um, bias going forward, the, the difficulty for me is assessing which horses were disappointing and which ones were really good in the circumstances. So finding out you know, which ones we can follow with a bit of confidence, like is it pandemic because he, he did come out wide, you know, he did look like he went on the wrong leg, he didn't finish too far off them, but you know, is that one we want to go forward with you know kings will dream yeah well i think think pandemic and kings will dream are good examples of horses that were pretty good against the pattern melody bell i think would be up there as well in terms and and mirage dancer for me in terms of horses that came home and raced really well despite despite the pattern and the other one is um you know spanish reef was that a, a disappointing run or was that you know a really good run by you know 
considering the way the track was playing because um, it's very tricky, you know, just picking those, you know, those runs that had an ex- extra merit that you want to follow. But I wanted to touch on the, the last race because mm-hmm. you did say to me on text yesterday that you decided to go with Miss Siska late in the piece because of that, the way the track was yeah, I think unfolding. So I did a lot of my t- uh, bets up front yesterday, uh, but didn't have a bet in that race. But by the time we got to the last and I saw how the track was playing, uh, knowing Miss Cisco and its racing patterns, um, I, I had to go back down to the TAB and have a look because it just looked like an absolute good bet at about $4.50. I think it did get um, crunched a bit late into about $4. But looking at that field... Pound for pound, Kings will dream on top for me. But the way that the race was playing, I had to be a bit adaptive and, and go and have yeah. a go at Miss Siska. And I wasn't let down with a really nice run by, by that horse. Yeah, and I think it was another one of those races where you know, tempo did play a part as well. I mean, you look at the 1,200 to 1,000 split and it was the, the 55th fastest of the day. So, But again, horses like Kings will dream, um, it needed to be up up front to win yeah. and it's just not an up front horse it would have to race against its pattern to win so you don't really want to be doing that with horses particularly at this point of their campaign so i couldn't see them trying to lead or no. or add, add any pace into the race so that really lent itself to horses like miss cisco who do have that natural speed to be up front and then take advantage of the bias so um yeah you got sometimes in punning you've got to you got to adapt yeah. and and go against your, your better instincts with some of these races yeah. because i didn't have miss cisco on top at the start of the day but by by five o'clock, well on top for me. And you look at the other horses like Kings of Dream and Regal Power, I think they drifted a little bit as well in the market. I mean, their targets are going to be the Australian Cup, so they're not going right. to go up, up on the speed. Yeah, they're not going to have him, a gut yeah. buster, are they, just to, for that race? It's not their grand final. And you look at Regal Power, he just flopped out of the barriers and and it was, a bit, it was strong late, so he might be the one to, to follow out of that race towards the Australian Cup because I don't think he was there to really, the way that track was going, to, to really push himself and, and do anything. That, that's where Kings Will Dream will go as well? Yeah, Kings Will Dream should be going to the, the Australian Cup I wouldn't as well. Be, uh, I wouldn't be jumping off it. I thought that was a, a really good run against the pattern and it's now run two placings in its first two starts and, uh, yeah, look at the way it ran at the end of the spring last season. Um I wouldn't be getting away from that. And Mirage Dancer as well, as, as I mentioned before. I thought it ran the second, equal second best last furlong of the meeting uh, in an 1,800-metre race. And I know you mentioned the uh, slow speed up front in that race, yeah. but I thought that was a really uh, honourable run and one that I'll be um, keeping an eye on moving forward. Yeah, it was um, had the best sectionals coming home, but I'm just, I just don't know whether I can trust the horse at the moment. I mean, in, the, in terms of... It's high SP. It was $31. First up, it was $41 and ran last. So this was a, a really big improvement by it. I don't want to get sucked into it at the moment. I want to see it run well again before I really give it some real consideration. Mm. Look, I know we've touched on it before, but I do want to get your thoughts around some of the uh, spruiked horses in the Blue Diamond, in, in particular Hanseatic, who I know that you were quite quite keen on uh, how did you rate its run i mean it did end up running second and uh, pretty good from all accounts really no i think it was a good run it had every possible chance to win i thought at the 100 it was gonna to run past tagaloa but tagaloa was just really strong and you know kept on fighting so 
no issues with the the ride or the run of Hanseatic. I think it was just um, it had every chance, and it was just um, beaten by a better horse on the day. And uh, bivouac in the Oakley Plate. I think very disappointing bivouac. I mean, the three-year-olds have been really getting spruked up. Two weeks ago, uh, we were lauding the three-year-olds that you know, <laughs> who's who's going to beat them. But yep. um, two weeks, it just shows how much things can change in racing. And I think bivouac was really disappointing. You know, maybe an Oakley Plate might have been um, an unusual starting point for it. I would have thought maybe you know a Lightning or a New Market. I thought, because you know, these Oakley plates, you know, they could be a real raffle, yeah. depending how they they are, are run. So, but considering the circumstances of the track, you know, maybe the run wasn't as bad as we think. But you know, for a a highly spruced three year old that really produced some big ratings last spring, um, you would have thought he would have finished a lot closer. Yeah, look, I think the case is that with a lot of these horses, if you like them, it's a bit like what you were saying earlier, if you like them, I wouldn't be jumping off any horse from yesterday. I think you can often get unstuck at Caulfield um, just in running, but also with the uh, extra challenges yesterday. So if you're a Bivouac fan, I wouldn't be um, wouldn't be going anywhere. I mean, it did come into $2.35, so there was obviously a lot of smart money or punter. I mean, not, maybe not smart money in hindsight, but certainly professional money yeah. going on it. I think that maybe the expectation was it was going to use the barrier and be a bit more closer in the run, and it, it just wasn't. So maybe that's why the money was that came for it, because there was um, thinking that it was going to go forward, maybe be behind the leaders... And then if they were going really fast, it could still be finished strongly. But I think it was too far back, and Pippi was just just kept on going. Now moving on to uh, well, moving on forward, and also going a little bit back. Um, the All Star Mile is obviously a few weeks away now. We had at least four or five of the horses that will be in that race in the Futurity. Are there any that you would be concerned about after that run? I know Colding was probably the Colding, one yeah, was yeah. the most concerning from yeah. my perspective. Going back to his. Trial. I didn't think his trial was looked anything flash, but you know it's still very early in his prep. And then he went first up twelve hundred. That race was an afterthought, so I didn't expect him to make a, much of an impact there in the expressway stakes, um, particularly twelve hundred. And it did look like he was just grinding it out. But again, it only had the one trial. I expected a much better performance in the Futurity. And left pretty disappointed. Yeah, and I did hear some comments from Glenn Boss after the race. And to be honest, he didn't offer it any excuses. He said that it was stuck on its Sydney leg, wouldn't wouldn't jump onto its Melbourne leg. Uh, and then when he got it balanced in the straight, expected it to, to pick up some ground towards the end and just gave nothing. So big question mark over Colding moving forward. I mean, obviously, it's a fantastic horse. And once it gets up to the mile, that's its specialty. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, really interesting that its performance, given that we did see a really strong performance, obviously, from the first three. Um, I was on Melody Bell personally, and I thought its run was just about what you'd expect first up. Sort of peaked on its run at about the 100, 150. But, again, moving to... Well, actually, it won't be Flemington. It'll be Caulfield for Caulfield, the All-Star yes, Mile yeah. this year. So, though, if they didn't handle it this time, I'd be very worried about Colding. But, um, yeah, I think a couple of the others came out of that race a lot better. Yeah, I think I was happy with... Melody Bell's run, Super Seth had the, the extra race fitness. So when you look at the, the sectionals and the splits, Super Seth was, was a, a little bit better than Melody Bell, but she's had the one less run. So I'm, I'm still keen on her. I, I don't know. I th- 
she, I think she's probably going straight into the All-Star Mold. Does she have another run? I'd like to see her have one more run just to be sure that she's the one to get on in the, the All-Star Mold. It's still about yeah. three weeks so away. So three weeks away. Yeah, I'm... so I don't think they will. I think they'll go... Yeah, I think they'll go straight into it based on that. And Unless I mean, they, they know their horse well, and yeah. they've obviously it's ten time Group One winner, so um, yeah, they'll 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 know what to do with it. So you are a Melody Bell fan, I, I suspect you uh, haven't got too much to worry about at this stage. Now, um, I wanted to get your thoughts ahead of the Australian Guineas this week. On, uh, I mean, we discussed it last week—the great race between Alligator Blood and Catalyst. Um, who do you think wins round two? Well, I'm going to stick with Catalyst, and I'm just having a look at the. TAB market and Catalyst is a two dollar sixty favourite, which I did not want to see. And uh, Alligator Blood is two eighty, so they're really tight in the market. And I did say in the last podcast, I hope the bookies don't, you know, ruin the experience for us because we want to have a bet. I, I want to have a bet in this race. I don't want to be taking shorts in a, you know, in a really good battle because I'm hoping um, Chenia will have some admirers. Even the, the Perth horse, Superstorm. I mean, Alabama Express goes into that race now and, you know, he was, he was a good winner in the all. So I'm hoping that there'd be money spread around and we might get Catalyst and Alligator Blood coming out to $3.350. That's really tight in the market. And I'm it just... is tight, but I, I, I do think they'll come for Catalyst. I just get that feeling. That, that'll be the horse they come for. So if you like any of the others, that's a good thing. But if you are a Catalyst fan, as you just said you were, gee, I don't reckon you're going to get much better than that. But I just think when Alligator Blood is, you know, a fan favourite, surely there's going to be, you know, money for, for him. And, you know, that's the one that the the public rallies behind, the media will be rallying behind it. I was, I was actually hoping that would be the case. So we might get Catalyst, we might get a, that better price, but... Yeah, but if, if you're going to get those sort of prices in the final fields, I mean... Makes it, it hard it, to it have does, a bet. It does put you off a little yeah. bit. Like in the Futurity, I wasn't having a bet in the Futurity because you got... When you got three horses that you think you can win, and I'll add Colding into that because I did expect some improvement, but when you got you know, a $2.60 favourite and then you got a $2.90 second favourite and a $3.30 third favourite and you got all all the percentages are in those three horses if you think any one of those three horses can win it's just there's no value there I, I'd rather not have a bet it wasn't a good betting race and the no. money ended up coming for Streets of Avalon because of the uh, the way the track was playing but yeah I did think that myself at the time that it's not a good betting no. race at all And but I don't mind having a bet on a $2.60 $2.80 favourite if I think there's no other horse there that can beat it. It's a different scenario in that instance. Yeah, 100%. So um, moving forward, we've discussed a number of the horses that we think are worth following. Now, we also mentioned that there's been a lot of forgive runs. Is there anything, any horse in particular that stood out for you as, as a, a good forgive or one that you think we should be definitely following moving forward, perhaps that didn't quite get the job done yesterday? Well, I think, as I, I mentioned earlier, I think Pandemic from Race 3, I think that's one maybe to give another chance in a similar in a similar grade. And I think Subpoenaed as well. I think... I know it's a back marker and you're going to get, it's going to be a lot of hit and miss, but I think um, with subpoenaed, I don't think 1,400 second up suited. 
I think if you see it in a 1800 meter race mm. next start, I think get on him. That's great. Now, uh, we wanted to just give a bit of an update. We have our regular run from the bush segment. Uh, and we've had a couple of our, our, our horses to follow in that segment race recently. So we thought we'd just give a bit of an update on how they were going. So we saw Hint of Mint, which is a horse you were spruiking late last year, win at Pakenham on the week, uh, during the week on the Thursday night. Uh, didn't get a great price on it, I must say, at around sort of $1.80ish. But that was a good win. We also had the horse I mentioned two weeks back, Liale, run twice since then, both at Mooney Valley, uh, and has started favourite actually in both of the two races at Mooney Valley on a Friday night. It's finished third uh, two weeks ago and then was just nabbed on the line last week for second. So a couple of the horses that we've been suggesting to follow out of the bush have been running pretty well. Yeah, it's good to see. And hint of mint, it was a, a nice win. Didn't want to run straight. It had its head, you know, to the side. So. I think there's more wins to come from her. I think it's a filly. Yeah, I think that's right, yeah. So, yeah I'll so take your <laughs> advice on that, mate. It's your horse to follow. Check out, <laughs> now, I'm look right now. Three-year-old filly, yes. A lot of potential, I guess, then, there, isn't yeah. there? Up, up, yeah. yeah, well, she had, she's had two runs prior at Mooney Valley and, you know, beaten on both occasions. Stepping up to a benchmark 70 at Packenham and she's got the job done. Yeah, it's interesting that she's... Um, got beaten at benchmark 64 at Mooney Valley, but that looks to be a strong benchmark 64 because the winner out of that race, Miss Catherine, won again on Friday night, actually won the Typhoon Tracy, won a Group 3. Yeah, that's right. I did see that. And um, that actually is a very good segue for once, Big V for us. Uh, Now, you usually have the Big V high horse rant and it's, you know, world famous now, but I've given you the week off. You are very calm, you know, it's a a good day for you yesterday and you're you're very happy. So I'm going to do a rant this week, Phil's high horse rant, which focuses on the bush. I'm looking forward to this. I've been waiting for it all week. Well, I'm concerned you won't understand it, Big V. It's very technical. you sent me a text on Tuesday that early in the week and you said, I'm doing the rant this week. Yep. I I took the pressure off, mate. I've I've had enough. No, look... I'm just going to raise an issue in country racing, which I think is an important one. It's just going to be quick, but I would be interested in your thoughts as someone who obviously doesn't take as close an eye on the country meetings as myself, who does have some interest in it, um, not only from a punting perspective, but also having a few horses that run around in those sort of grades as well. So um, this is my high horse rant. Are you going to tie me this week, mate, or do I just sort of go for it myself? Oh, do you want to go for a minute? Oh, I won't even go for a minute, mate, so I don't have to worry about That's that. Right. Well, I'll just, I'll just <laughs> here, so, so we've go. got, well, you just mentioned benchmark racing. So yes. we've got benchmark 58s, we've got benchmark 64s, benchmark 70s. They're benchmarked in how they're set up because, but that doesn't mean you have to be a 64. So in a benchmark 64, you can have be rated a 68 horse. You can be rated a 40 horse. You're still allowed to nominate for that particular race. It just changes what weight you'll get. So what that does is in a lot of these lower benchmark races, so benchmark 58s, benchmark 64s, is that you get higher ranked horses entering into those races. So you might have in a benchmark 64, a number of benchmark 67s, benchmark 66. What that does is it means that horses rated just below 64 in that benchmark scenario don't get runs or can't get runs because there's so many horses that are being uh, nominated above the benchmark space. So what that means is it makes it very hard for horses to get runs in the bush. 
at the level that they need to be. So you have situations in benchmark 58 where rate 58 rated horses can't even get a run. I mean, it can't be good for racing. It can't be good for the smaller part of the industry that needs to get those horses into those races um, to be competitive. And it really does make it challenging. So I, my solution to this problem is to have more of these 0 to 58s, 0 to 64s, or even 0 to 70s, mm-hmm. so that horses that are actually within those benchmarks and ratings can actually, actually get a race and run... In, in company that's more suitable to them rather than having some you know big trainer's horse come down take a couple kilos off with an apprentice and and you know take your spot in a race so that's my rant for the week um, I'm not happy with the benchmark racing they can continue we can continue with the benchmark racing we just need more of those 0 to 58s and 0 to 64s in the calendar as well so that's my rant, that's big a rant. that's a very good rant it's a very good rant and yeah I can see your point of view because you know when you get big stables you know, particularly city stables and you know they take their horses into the country races and it makes it harder for the local trainers but I, even if you put more races in um won't you get the same problem these horses are just going to be entered for those races well they can be but if you've yeah. got a let's say you've got a, a 57 rate yeah. horse you will are certain to get a run in a zero to 58 you will not. Oh, okay. you'll, so it'll be zero to fifty-eight is different to a benchmark. 58. Very different because yeah. if zero to fifty-eight yeah. means that if you are a fifty-nine rider, you cannot enter for that race. Yeah. But if it's a benchmark fifty-eight, yeah, a sixty-four yeah. rider get, could race. Get the weight. There was a, the weight. a race last week where at a benchmark fifty-eight, a sixty-six rated horse yeah. won it. Now that's that's just unfair for those horses yeah. that are around that fifty-eight rating, for, in my opinion, yeah. and that. It, you have to have more of these opportunities for those horses yeah. that are rated around that, that, that level to actually participate. Yeah. I think, um, don't want to touch on it for too long, but I think one of the issues is some of these horses, they're not good enough, for example, uh, to win a benchmark 70. That's just a little bit beyond them, even though benchmark 64s are probably, you know, they've got too much weight in those races, but it's easier for them to win benchmark 64 to win a benchmark 70, even though they're going to get less weight in those types of races. Well, it, it actually, that's where your point before around that 64 race being very competitive was probably mm. true. But I don't know who won the race, but it, it might have been a horse that was rated 68. So it was probably a horse that could have easily gone into a benchmark 70 race, racing yeah. in a benchmark 64, get an apprentice, take two or three kilos off, yeah. and you, you're at level weight with a, a 63 yeah. rider. All right. But in... Yeah, I get your point. In this instance with Miss Catherine, it was her second start, so she hadn't got to that. She was below that rating. Yeah, no, that's but, fine. But I'm, I'm not saying it's the, the case in every race. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, just as a as a yeah. someone that's interested in, in this in this yeah. sort of uh, part of the racing calendar, Big V, um, that's something that had been getting me a little bit uppity recently. Anything else you'd like to add, Big V? It's been a big couple of weeks of racing. We're well into the uh, carnival now, and we've got. Some good racing coming up over the next few weeks. But, yeah, it's going to be really good. Um, no, not too much more to add. Just the, the few horses to follow. Subpoenaed, yeah, Kings Will Dream, Regal Power. I think there are a couple. I think you've got a few as well. Yeah, I think the ones we discussed, Melody Bell, obviously I'll be continuing to follow, and Mirage Dancer I thought was a, was a handy run. But, yeah, Kings Will Dream for me was probably the standout uh, horse to follow from the meeting. Yeah, and it's going to be um, you know, a good meeting at Flemington, the Guineas. You know, let's just hope the bookies let us have a bet. But there's always 
opportunities elsewhere. Which you know, is what you, we saw yesterday, mate. Value. We saw that yesterday. If you were, he had the quaddy, I think it paid $17,500. So there's still money to be made. And, uh, yeah, you're right. But we do want to see some better odds coming, coming back to the punters. So that's, uh, that's a wrap for this week's episode of Should Have Backed It podcast. Uh, please follow us on Twitter at, at, at Should Have Backed It. Uh, we've been putting up our best bets of the day, which have been going very well, uh, I see. Uh, another yes. two from two for me, and I think you got one we from got two. We've got Adelaide Ace, yeah. You, yep. You're outperforming me, but that's all right. Yeah, we also but, put up our Group 1 bets for last week as well, which didn't go as well, so I won't actually, linger on those. The point that I should have made in the podcast with Adelaide Ace how was it? How did it not open favourite in the early markets? And I know it started favourite, but you know, getting three dollars plus early final fields. Yeah, Miami was very bound. generous. Miami. Anyone who'd been following Miami Bound um, in its previous campaign probably knew not to stick with it first up at Caulfield. But uh, again, um, that's that's a good point, Big Vina. All it meant was that you got a much better price than you were probably expecting. Yeah. So. Thanks to everyone. Remember to subscribe to us if you haven't already on Spotify, iTunes or however you access your podcasts. And until next week, uh, we'll be back with another big edition following the Australian Guineas meeting at Flemington. But in the meantime, good luck on the punt.